European Heart Journal Case Reports Podcast. I am Tom Slater, Podcast Editor. Today, I will be discussing a case report by Martin Moustor, Bart Mason, Dennis Den Isle, Timo Leder Inc., Fleur Franzen, Yvonne Vissers, and Eric De Luz from Zijderland Medical Center, Netherlands, entitled Ventricular Fibrillation and Cardiac Arrest, provoked by forward bending in an adolescent with severe pectus excavatum. Pectus excavatum is a congenital deformity of the anterior chest wall, characterized by concave depression of the sternum and anterior ribs. Life-threatening arrhythmias have been reported in patients with severe pectus excavatum in the absence of cardiac abnormalities. Literature is scarce regarding the diagnosis and management of this problem, particularly regarding the question of whether placement of an implantable cardioverter defibrillator is necessary if surgical correction is undertaken. A 19-year-old male was scheduled for elective surgical correction of severe pectus excavatum. His past medical history included right-sided bullectomy and pleurectomy for spontaneous pneumothorax. The preoperative ECG showed sinus rhythm with subtle right bundle branch block with a small R wave in the anterior chest leads, consistent with the ECG appearances in pectus excavatum. Epidural catheter placement for perioptive analgesia was attempted. While in the sitting position and bending forward, the patient became hypotensive and announced feeling lightheaded and nauseous. This was initially considered as a vasovagal response. However, the patient's symptoms were progressive and he eventually collapsed. Epidural placement was discontinued and phenylephrine, atropine, dexamethasone and ondansetron were administered intravenously. Despite this, the patient deteriorated, developed progressive tachycardia, hemodynamic and respiratory failure and eventually went into ventricular fibrillation. Advanced life support was initiated and after eight cycles of cardiopulmonary resuscitation, spontaneous circulation was restored. The ECG directly after return of spontaneous circulation demonstrated a sinus tachycardia with broadening of the QRS complex and ST elevation most pronounced in the inferior leads that resolved within the next few minutes. Cardiac ultrasound in the acute setting showed global hypokinesia without regional wall motion abnormalities and no pericardial effusion or other abnormalities. Electrolytes in the arterial blood gas were normal. Coronary angiography showed normal coronary arteries and there were no signs of anaphylaxis. The patient was admitted to the intensive care unit where he recovered quickly without any neurological sequelae. An additional history regarding postural symptoms and syncope was taken and the patient reported experiencing lightheadedness and dyspnea when bending over, for example when tying shoelaces. He always considered this unremarkable, however. In addition to the treating thoracic surgeon, cardiologist and anaesthetist, a cardiologist specialising in electrophysiology and a cardiothoracic surgeon from a university hospital were involved. Several investigations were performed to evaluate conduction and structural cardiac causes of the arrhythmia. Cardiac MRI and chest CT showed a severe pectus excavatum and extensive compression of the heart, in particular of the left atrium and to a lesser degree of the right atrium and ventricle, between the depressed sternum and the thoracic spine. Cardiac MRI further showed normal right and left ventricle contractility and a normal right ventricular outflow tract. There were no signs of rhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy and no delayed late gadolinium enhancement. Adrenaline challenge was negative for Bregarda syndrome. It was concluded that in this case of severe pectus excavatum, compression of both atria and the right ventricle between sternum and spine 
was usually well tolerated. However, bending forward increased cardiac compression and caused cardiac inflow obstruction, resulting in symptomatic hypotension. This likely occurred during epidural placement and was potentially exacerbated by relative hypovolemia due to preoperative fasting and vasovagal reaction to epidural placement. These combined circumstances decreased cardiac preload and output to such an extent that it caused prolonged hypotension, resulting in hemodynamic instability and respiratory insufficiency, which most likely caused myocardial ischemia and ventricular fibrillation. Thus, in the absence of any other abnormalities, cardiac compression resulting from severe pectus excavatum was considered as the underlying cause of the arrhythmia. As the cardiac arrest was considered secondary to pectus excavatum, the cause would be reversible by pectus correcting surgery. Therefore, an ICD was not placed and a modified Ravitch procedure was scheduled. The patient was under continuous rhythm monitoring in the weeks between event and surgery and no further cardiac events or symptoms occurred. As a precaution, surgery was performed in a university hospital with a full cardiothoracic and cardioanesthetic team present and extracorporeal circulation at hand. Both the procedure and perioptive period were uneventful. The patient made a full recovery and follow-up consisted of six monthly outpatient checkups by his cardiologist and thoracic surgeon. 18 months after surgery, he remains well and his postural symptoms have decreased. I would now like to discuss the contents and background of this case in more detail. Pectus excavatum is the most common congenital deformity of the chest wall. Symptoms include cardiopulmonary symptoms such as palpitations, fatigue and exercise intolerance. Moreover, patients often suffer from poor body images and lower quality of life. The anatomic severity of the defect is often expressed using the Haller Index, which was first described in 1987. This index is based on chest CT measurements and is calculated by dividing the transverse diameter at its widest point inside the ribcage by the anteroposterior diameter at its shortest distance between the vertebrae and the sternum. A normal cutoff of 3.25 is usually used, with values above this indicating pectus excavatum is present, although results can vary depending upon age, gender, thoracic shape and phase of respiration at the moment of scanning. Determining a cutoff point to select patients for surgery can therefore be difficult. The most frequently used surgical correction techniques are the modified NUS and the Ravitch procedure. In patients with pectus excavatum, the ECG may be normal. There have been descriptions of ECG changes associated with a shifted position of the heart in patients with pectus excavatum. These include S1-S3 or S1-Q3 patterns, negative P waves in V1, and incomplete right bundle branch block RSR patterns. Life-threatening arrhythmias such as ventricular fibrillation in patients with severe pectus excavatum have been described but are extremely rare. With respect to cardiac arrest in the presence of severe pectus excavatum, Literature is scarce regarding etiology and management, particularly whether an implantable cardioverter defibrillator should be placed. Previous case reports of similar situations have elected to manage with subcutaneous ICD placements, although they have acknowledged the lack of supporting evidence for this strategy. There has also been a report of recurrent syncope resulting from right ventricle compression by pectus excavatum in a patient with previous heart surgery. The authors suggest that previous surgery, which caused adhesions and scar tissue, could aggravate cardiac compression by preventing shifting of the heart to the pleural cavity. This may have also been an exacerbating factor in this case, 
as the patient also had a history of thoracoscopy and bolectomy for pneumothorax. Other case reports have described positional hypotension due to right ventricular obstruction, illustrating the hemodynamic effects caused by pectus excavatum and how these can be exacerbated in seated or prone positions. Routine assessment of postural symptoms is currently not part of standard clinical practice in pectus excavatum. There are, however, several options that could improve preoperative assessment. Relatively simple investigations that clinicians could implement immediately include taking a specific history regarding postural symptoms, such as dizziness when tying shoelaces, as well as blood pressure and heart rate and rhythm in different positions. Normal values, cutoff points and implications of these measurements have not been established and could be the subject of future research. Additional options for imaging include stress echocardiography or postural echocardiography and cardiac MRI. Stress echocardiography may reveal important circulatory changes which are not present at rest. Postural echocardiography may be of value as it has been described that compromise of the right ventricular outflow tract in pectus excavatum is exacerbated in a sitting upright or forward bending position. Cardiac MRI may be performed during end expiration as the degree of cardiac compression worsens with expiration. These imaging modalities may increase understanding of the hemodynamic consequences of pectus excavatum in individual patients and may provide the treating physicians with a more comprehensive assessment of cardiac function, which could be used in preoperative decision making and aid the anaesthetist in their perioperative management. I would like to conclude this podcast with the following learning points suggested by the authors. Patients with severe pectus excavatum may have cardiac compression between the depressed sternum and the thoracic spine which is usually well tolerated. Cardiac compression can cause posture-dependent symptoms, such as lightheadedness when tying shoelaces. Patients may not spontaneously mention these symptoms. If they are present, patients should avoid maintaining that particular position. In extreme postures, such as for epidural placements, cardiac compression may become so severe that it decreases cardiac preload and output, resulting in hypertension, arrhythmia, and potentially cardiac arrest. And finally, in this patient, ventricular fibrillation was considered secondary to cardiac compression due to severe pectus excavatum. The patient was managed with pectus correcting surgery and avoided ICD placement. Thank you to the authors of this case report for highlighting this interesting case for us. And thank you for listening to European Heart Journal Case Reports podcasts. References and the original case report are available online. Visit academic.oup.com forward slash EHJCR for other interesting case reports. Music is Computer by State Shirts.